Acts is where we continue and we, the mission of spreading the good news. I, I love that line, and it's so important that we see the significance in what we study. So today, as, uh, as we look into the scripture for today, as we're at Acts chapter 10 now, we've been in this journey through Acts for quite a bit. And today we're at this point of scripture where we are getting introduced uh, to this man named Cornelius and uh, a vision that he has and Peter and um, a vision that he gets as well. So we're looking at two different visions and the way that God has a amazing plan to have them merge, to see the significance in their lives of um, the purpose that God has for them, but also to introduce a huge message, a, 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 such an invaluable message that God is not just for Jews, that God is for everyone. And this is uh, an introduction of that, and we get into that scene and that talk um, today, and we nail it down more uh, next Sunday as well. Uh, but I'm going to read the scripture, and we're going to pray about this scripture, and then we're going to see what God has for us today. So, if you would, uh, Acts chapter 10, let's begin there, and uh, we will pray about it and begin. So, verse 1, Acts chapter 10. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man, and he feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision, an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, well, staring him at all, he said, What is it, Lord? The angel told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When an angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, who was one of those who attended him. After explaining to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, in verse 9, the next day as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. A voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything impure or ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, What God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. 
Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for, we thank you for this Bible. We thank you for these divinely inspired words that you have put before us today with purpose. Father, not just purpose to grow in knowledge, but Father, purpose to grow in understanding. Father, to grow in understanding of the love you have for us and to reinforce the love we have for you. Father, may we today find application and principles in this scripture today that help us grow in our faith and ultimately be more effective in sharing the gospel with those beyond these laws. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're introduced to Cornelius. Cornelius, a Roman centurion. <clears throat> Sounds pretty fancy, right? And when you first read that, you think, oh, well, he must have some kind of clout, must be some good guy that's worked his tail off and somehow made his way up the ranks, right? A Roman centurion who essentially had, uh, had a purpose. He was exposed to all the Roman gods, right? But yet found his way towards loving one God, the God. And not just loving, but serving and striving to do things to glorify and make God happy, which is a, a pretty significant thing in itself. But this man in Caesarea, right, in which Caesarea is this um, um, oceanside city, right, oceanside area, uh, or city on the shores of the Mediterranean, right, in Judea. So it was like the headquarters, essentially, of, um, uh, of the Roman gover governor and essentially a province of Judea. So it was a big-time place. It was a happening spot, and he was doing a lot of work there. Now, with this being said, any Jews who are patriotic, Jews, I guess would be a fair way to say it, who are very um, strong-believing Jews, who stand up for the Jewish traditions and heritage, right? And seeing a Roman centurion, they would be offended. Um, they wouldn't like that person, and immediately there would be this divide. They would, they would um, naturally even hate them because of everything they stand for and everything that the Roman centurion is about. Uh, and everything they, everything they do, right? So in understanding everything about Cornelius, Cornelius is someone that God, which is important, that God goes to and God speaks to, and he obviously has some type of respect for God. Let's read the first couple of verses. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, Right? He uh, was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. And stopping it right there, that tells us so much about what Cornelius stood for. Not only did he believe in God, he made sure that his whole household believed in God. He stood up for God, this monotheism of focusing on one God, right, instead of being embracing 
and believing in all the Roman gods that he would be exposed to. He shared them with his household. And he felt it so important that not only did he share them with his household, the people that were under him, he brought, under, he brought into that as well. And he shared it with them as well. Because God spoke to Cornelius specifically. And upon doing that, right, he did many, before doing that, it, it stated that he did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people. He had about 80 to 100, and depending upon the time frame, um, it could have been 300 to 500 soldiers under him. So he had some clout. He had some say. And people were going to listen to him when he, he would speak. Right? So he did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people. And he always prayed to God. That could be a sermon in itself. That in spite of everything that you're supposed to live under, in spite of the expectations of, uh, uh, of your work, of your family, of where, where you've been placed in life, you are still serving God. You are still loving others. You are a Roman centurion, but you're loving Jews. You're, you're meeting Jews. You're doing charitable deeds for Jewish people. So, so Cornelius is a pretty good guy in spite of having a pretty bad label. He's doing pretty good things. All right? So, at about three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision of an angel, in a vision, an angel of God who came and said to him. He distinctly saw this in a vision and said to him, Cornelius, one word, called him by name, and upon saying... Cornelius, Cornelius looked at this angel and is in awe, I mean completely taken aback, and he said, what is it, Lord? Excuse me, that shows that he has a strong relationship with God right there. It already shows that he is expectant of direction from the Lord. Immediately as Cornelius gets one word, he recognizes that it's an angel, and he says, what is it, Lord? He's ready to act. He's ready to respond. And the angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. So the angel's saying, hey, you're doing this, and God's seeing this. God's seeing this. It doesn't, you don't have to do these things, but you do them anyway. This is not a part of your job. You're doing it out of the goodness of your heart because this is what you think God would want you to do. God is seeing that. Now, you've got a job to do. He's telling them, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who's also named Peter. Send men there and call for Peter. He is lodged with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Then when the angels who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier who was one who, of those who attended him. So the faith of Cornelius, well, he was willing and ready to act. It didn't say, and this is something that we should take note of, because when Saul, doing as soon as he um, received his, his vision was restored, remember in the previous 
uh, few weeks that we've been studying Saul's transformation into Paul, whenever Saul was re- redeemed and he was baptized, the scripture tells us that he immediately went to preach the good news of Jesus. He didn't take a few days off and try to recover. He didn't say, I've been exhausted, I've, been, I've not eaten for three days, and I've been blind for three days, and I'm just, I just need to take a break. I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to serve and do. Saul, being the ultimate bad guy, now being ready to serve as one of the good guys, is perfect Hollywood script. Saul did that. In Cornelius's state, he has been serving God as a Roman centurion, but he's still been loving God and doing charitable acts on behalf of God for God's people, for the Jews. Cornelius gets a directive. He gets told what to do. Now, all of us don't get visions. God's been doing some vision work right here. But we don't, we don't see that all the time. We don't see that direct vision angel come before us and tells us what to do. I don't know about you, but I wish I would get a vision from an angel about every other week. Tell me what to do now. I don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to, Lord, give me some directive. Spirit speaks to us in a different way most often. But in this, we're seeing direct uh, visual representation of God speaking to people. There's not a question there, but Cornelius steps up and it says he acted immediately. He acted immediately. I think Cornelius was on fire and he is looking. He is ready to respond, ready to act at the drop of a dime. And not just that, that because he is so power, so uh, in love with the Lord, his whole household is going to respond and react as well. But Cornelius had everybody that, or everybody against him. The Roman soldiers, his officials, his higher in command, they should be the ones saying, no. The Jews that he is doing charitable acts to, they're the ones should be reluctant to receive anything good from the bad guy. They should despise him. But instead, he loves them anyway. And he goes and he does anyway in the face of dissension, in the face of denial, in the face of hatred from the Jews. He loves and he serves anyway. Christians, I don't know about you, but in this, this is a principle that is so far um, underappreciated. Because right now, for us, where we are, it's pretty easy to be a Christian. Generally speaking, it's pretty easy to be a Christian because we don't have a fear of persecution. We're not scared to death right now that somebody's going to come in these front doors uh, with assault rifles and uh, arresting us. Whereas if we were in any, many other countries, that's a real fear. We have, we, we take for granted. We take for granted that. Cornelius, a man who does have some clout and power in the uh, Roman army, he stands up and he loves the Jews that would hate him. I think we can look in our lives and find situations 
just like Cornelius. There are opportunities that we can share the truth, we can share the gospel, but instead we take a step back and say somebody else would be received better than me. Somebody else can say these things and they're going to listen to them better than me, God. Uh, you know, I, I'm just not ready. I'm just not at that point in my life just yet. I'm going to get there one day, God. I promise you I'm going to get there. But at this point, somebody else is more qualified than I am. In reading and, and, uh, and studying and researching more about Cornelius, Oftentimes when we look into someone's life, we reflect our life to understand it better, right? We, we, we try to relate to them so that we can see some similarities and comparisons. And in Cornelius' life, um, and I've shared this story with you, but I felt like it's important. I want to share it again for those who haven't heard it. I, when I first began in ministry, one of the biggest issues that I had um, was self-doubt. Right? I had no, no, no confidence in what I was. I was not raised in the church. And when I began teaching classes, the kids would know more than me. And I was okay with that because when they said something and they had a question for something, I didn't fake it. I used my uh, great knowledge of Google to find out answers that they had, right? So let's do this together. We're going to learn and we're going to grow together because I wasn't raised in the church and I didn't have that underlying background of even the, some of the most basic uh, stories of Scripture. So I struggled and I questioned myself and I questioned my belonging. And I still remember, right, that here I am, this punk, long-haired kid coming up before a church that's been here for 100 years and I don't belong of all people, but they embraced me anyway. And uh, we were at our annual outing to Ichthus, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, but to a uh, three-night, uh, four-day camping trip in Wilmore that was uh, Christian music, and you'd camp out, and uh, there would be a storm every year, um, but you'd still camp anyway in tents and whatnot. We had all the kids there, had about, oh, 15 to 20 kids that year, I think, and here they were, ranging everywhere from... Uh, 19 years old up to 17 years old, and I was a 19-year-old, but I, uh, they still trusted me to oversee all them. I was the oldest one there, responsible for the lives of all those kids, and I still question those parents. It's okay, though. Um, but I was, I, I, I was there, and I acted like, and I tell people this all the time, even if you feel like you don't belong, you got to fake it till you make it, right? Make everybody else think you got it under control. And if you're blown up on the inside, just don't show it, right? As long as they think you got it under control, you've won half the battle, and you can figure it out as you go. That's not, don't quote me on that, but that's a good way to approach it. At least that's what I did, um, and I was not prepared personally. I didn't have the confidence in doing that. So that first night, I, uh, the kids had fallen asleep. We had, we were in the tents and all that good stuff, and luckily we survived the first day of it, and everyone was still alive, and I was there. And they were in their tents asleep, and I was out on the, at the campsite. And I just sat there, and I looked around, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't know what it was. And I know you've been there before when sometimes you're just thinking, and wow, well, this was a feeling in my gut that, it, I, that I literally felt, what the heck am I doing here, right? One of those type of situations. Who am I, and why do I, God, why have you put me in this place? 
And I struggled. I was ready to go home. I was ready to call Brother Lee, who's the pastor at the time, and say, man, you don't know what you're doing because I don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm out. I, I need to go. Um, I can't do this. So I decided to take a walk and um, just think about it and uh, walk down to the, uh, the shower house. And, I, and I, was, I was just looking for a sign. It was one of those moments where you're hoping that angel pops up like it did to Cornelius, right? Somebody, something happened. Give me a vision. Give me something. Because I was just, I was new in my faith still. And I was responsible for leading these kids to Christ and keeping them alive in this event. And I was like, what is going on, right? And I go to the shower house and something made me to go in the men's shower house. I don't know what it was. And I looked in there um, and uh, used the restroom, I guess, and looked up on the wall after washing my hands. And there was this sign that said, God doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And I sat there and looked at it. It's like, was that there before I even walked in here? What, what's happening, right? I was, and I, it was just like this immediate sense of relief. Because if anybody's not qualified, it was me. But God's put me here. And there is a bigger plan to this. And I do have a purpose in this. Okay, okay, and I don't, uh, that's just a simple little vision that I had that changed everything for me, because I didn't belong there, and if you told me that, I, that uh, we would be hiring a 19-year-old kid to oversee other kids, and this 19-year-old has very little biblical background, ain't been raised in church, and in fact, if you really knew him, you probably wouldn't even want him to be in your church, right? I'd say, all right, church family, we ain't hiring that kid. No, not happening. Um, and I know that. That's why I'm so much more confident now in my faith at this point in my ministry because God can use anybody. God can and wants to use anybody. God can and wants to use you. Ministry is different for everyone, but you are ministers. We have a purpose, and that's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Cornelius, he is not anyone that deserves to be going around doing these charitable acts and God to, to, to speak to. Who does he think he is? We are the deserving ones, as the Jews would say. But God chose him. God gave him a vision to do things for God's glory. So I tell you this. If you are questioning your purpose, if you are questioning your calling, but you know that God's called you to do something, but you don't feel qualified and you aren't feeling that you are good enough and that there's someone better, stop that. Because you are not, you and God are not, here's the problem with our current culture with our relationship between man and God. We put God right here, even with us. And we say God is our buddy, God is our friend, and he just wants, he wants to be there for when we need him. And we are at the same level as God. But the Bible says it totally differently, that God is here and we are here. And then when God does something and says something, we've got to trust him because he is the ultimate in control. He is all-knowing, all-powerful. He is a sovereign God that's going to give you things to do that he knows that needs to be done that you can do. God knows your ability and you have to trust that.
So today, Christians, don't doubt the calling in your life. Don't just hesitate and take a step back, but just like, just like Cornelius, just do it. Immediately say, all right, I'm I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough, and I'll never be good enough, but I'm going to do it because you told me to. Okay, so you're at the point right now, I was like, all right, well, whenever God tells me to do something, Sean, I'm going to do it. Thank you, have a good week. No, don't, we put that wall up. Instead, you've got to be looking for things that God wants you to do. As Christians, you have more of a purpose than living your life and just getting by and having your own personal relationship and saying, that's good enough. I love God. We are to go and do and serve and love people. What that is, what that looks like is between you and the Lord. But I promise you it's far more than coming to church on Sunday, singing a few songs and going and living your life. God wants an everyday Christian. God wants somebody that is seeing him as the Lord and saying, God, now what? You are here. I am here. What's the next step? Not God, I'm going to find you where, whenever I need you. And I'm going to pray for that vision. But God, I'm here. I'm ready for my next directive. As the worship team comes up, we're going to sing a song um, that uh, we're singing I Belong to You. Okay, never mind. Here's my heart, Lord. That's a good one. This is a song that is a, a song of surrender. And it is so perfect for today. It's uh, right now, today, we can make a commitment. Okay, Lord, I know there's more. And I've always felt like there is more. But I know that in the principles and the lives that we see in Scripture today, the purpose that you have for me is to know that, that I can. And though I'm not qualified, you've called me. You have called me, and I will go, and I will do. So today, let's all stand together. And let's sing this song. And a song of submission that here I am, Lord, and you are my Lord. You are my Lord, and I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to act.